Well, welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our series entitled Soul Detox, Living Pure in a Contaminated World. John Gordon, former voice of the Minnesota Twins, was here last week, and Pastor Craig kicked off the series two weeks ago describing how entertainment can pollute our thinking and ultimately our soul. And this morning we're going to talk about a contaminant called busyness or hurry. Some people refer to it as a sickness, hurry sickness. And as I'm reminded of the pace of our lives here in America, I'm reminded of a story about a friend of mine named Jen. Jen uh, is a mother of three young kids, and, and she and her husband and her family were planning a trip to go down to Florida at spring break. And as you can relate sometimes when you go on these trips, you, you can kind of get in that point of the packing and departure where the anxiety starts to rise. You know, you got to get out of the house, you got to get everything packed and get to your destination. And so she got to that moment, and she grabbed what may be familiar to some of you. It's known as the, the mom bag. Anybody have one of these? It's the gigantic bag that you have where you put all your stuff in. When particularly you're leaving at the last minute, you just grab the stuff that you got. That's important stuff to grab, but it doesn't quite have a home yet. Anybody have a mom bag? Raise them high, raise them proud. There they are. I see those. Anybody have more than one mom bag? Because you got so much stuff, you're not quite sure what you're going to do with it. Well, Jen grabbed her mom bag, and she started packing the stuff, and she raised her voice, started giving out commands to her young kids, and she said, you know, Sam, I need you to go out to the, to the dryer, grab the swimsuits, and she threw them in her mom bag. And then she says, Kylie, I need you to go grab my books and my magazines off the nightstand, and she threw them in her mom bag. And she, then she told her other son, Sam, I need you to go to pick up the dog poop, and then I need you to, to feed the dog. And then she grabbed the mail, and she threw everything in her mom bag, and she jumped in the car with her, four, with her three kids and her husband, and she drove down to Florida. And as she was driving along, her, her husband says, you know, something doesn't feel quite right. I don't know what it is. We kind of left in a hurry. I smell something. And, and it says, you know, what's going on? And, and, and the kids sort of started smelling. and says, Mom, you know, something stinks up by you. Did you, you know, pass a little wind there, Mom? And they started teasing their mother because they smelled something from the front passenger seat. And she says, no, no, nothing smells. And, and then she, they get down to Florida, and she brings her mom bag down to the pool. And uh, she's pulling out her magazine and, and reading her magazine. She smells something, and she's not quite sure. It smells a little bit bad, but, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't smell all that bad. And, and then she, 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 after a week in Florida, she comes back home, and she, uh, un- they unpack the, the van, and they, they pull out their mom bag, and, and Jen, you know, pulls out the swimsuit that she didn't wear, and she pulls out the magazines that she didn't read. She pulled out the mail that, that she didn't get a chance to open, and then she pulled out petrified dog poop. Because in her rush to get out of the house, she grabbed the poop that Sam was supposed to throw away and put it in her mom bag. And she kept it for a week, contaminating her entire vacation. And isn't that what we do sometimes? In our rush, in our hurry, we grab stuff and contaminate our lives, and it smells, and everybody around you knows that a hurried life smells, but you think to yourself, it isn't all that bad. It doesn't smell all that bad, and we unintentionally contaminate our lives, our vacation, and our souls. There's a 
there's a story, there, a story about the Chinese word for busyness and a hurried life. And the Chinese word for busyness and a hurried life is actually two words. It's a combination of heart and to kill. And busyness is described as to kill the heart. To kill the things that we love the most, maybe not right away, but slowly, unintentionally. We can kill the things that we're very intentionally or really trying to live out, and we hurry. We contaminate our souls. A pastor and author, John Ortberg, coined this phrase, hurry sickness. And hurry sickness, if you, if you happen to have hurry sickness or you live a really busy, anxious life, you might, be, uh, you might be suffering from hurry sickness. If some of these things describe you, there are four symptoms. The first is this, constantly speeding up doing daily activities. This is when you're running from, from work to home to school. You're running from baseball to softball to some other activity. And even when you're not in a hurry, you're speeding up. You're going really fast, like when you're in Target, and you're kind of scanning out which line you're going to go in. You know this feeling. And you scan out who's in front of you, how much stuff do they have in their bag, which line am I in their basket, how much Time is it going to take? And I even sometimes even say, how fast are those fingers moving up toward the cashier? You know, how, how quick am I going to get through that line? And sometimes we rush and try to discern. And at the end, you know, if we don't get into the fastest line, we sort of kick ourselves in the butt because we didn't get through the line fastest. And we constantly speed up doing daily activities. Another symptom of hurry sickness is multitasking. It's the, it's the woman, and you know who you are. I've seen you. You're in the minivan. You're eating breakfast. You're talking to your kids. You might have your cell phone nearby, and you're putting on your makeup, and, and you're trying to multitask while driving. It's the student trying to do a research paper, and while doing the research paper, you're looking at Facebook. You know, you're checking your texts. You're doing your emails. You're doing your tweeting, and you're thinking that you're getting a lot of things done, but you're actually suffering from a sickness called hurry Sickness, it's the, it's the symptom of multitasking. Or another one is clutter. It's the piles that you have in your office, in your garage, in your workspace. It's the mom bag that is more like a portable junk drawer because all you got is stuff in here. And you don't have a home for it. You got piles of clutter. A friend of mine was orienting his, his new wife to his piles. And uh, they were newly married and just recently living together. And he says, honey, these are, this is my pile of dirty clothes. And then, and then he says, this is my pile of clean clothes. And he says, this is the pile of clothes that could go either way. And, and I just might need to put them on, but if they get dirty, I'll just, uh, that's my, my kind of dirty, kind of clean clothes pile. And if you have piles of clothes or piles in your office, or piles in your home, you might be suffering from this contagious disease called hurry sickness that contaminates our souls. But the last symptom is the most devastating, and it's called superficial relationships, because we move too fast, because we're always in a hurry. We don't take time to be with the people that we love the most, and we get distracted by all the things we have to do. A friend of mine had a conversation with his daughter, and he was in his office and typing on the computer, and she's telling him a story, and he's going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great, sounds good, and yeah, sounds great, and she says, dad, you're not listening to me, and he says, yes, I am, I'm listening, and and she says, dad, you're here, but you're not really with us, you're not present, and she left the room, she says, dad, you're here, you're present, 
physically, but you're not here relationally, emotionally, or even spiritually. You're present, but you're not here. And all too often, that can describe our relationships with one another. If we're running from one activity to the next, we may suffer from hurry, sickness. See, all of us at some point in our lives, at some point in our journey, some point in our month, some point in our day, suffer from hurry, sickness. We constantly speed up daily activities. We multitask way too much. We have piles of clutter in our home, our office. We have superficial relationships, and we lose hearts. We contaminate our souls. And this morning, we want to talk about the cure. The cure to a hurried life, the cure to the sickness that can so easily and unintentionally smell our lives. And and as you may expect, the Bible has all sorts of different truths and stories related to the cure. And this morning, we're going to look at the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're actually going to look at two stories about Martha and Mary's lives. The words will also be on the screen, but I'm so glad that God inspired both Luke and John to tell the story of Martha and Mary. And it would be easy to say one has the cure and one has the sickness, but life was way more more complex than that. But as we read this story, we will see the cure to hurry sickness. If you remember, Martha and Mary have a brother named Lazarus. Anybody remember what happened to Lazarus? He died and was raised back to life, and this is the family that, that Jesus comes to visit one day in Bethany. So in Mark chapter, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we read the story of Martha and Mary. And as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. It's a pretty typical scene for Jesus. He's always going from village to village, talking to people about the kingdom. And he enters into the home, or enters the village of Bethany, just outside Jerusalem, And Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Mary, her sister, sat at the Lord's feet, listening, learning as a student, submissive to the teacher, the master. Mary sat down at Jesus' feet, but Martha was distracted. She was multitasking. She had all sorts of things she needed to do. In contrast to Mary, who was sitting and listening to Jesus, Martha was, Martha was standing. She was distracted. She was anxious, busy, overburdened, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was in a hurry. She had too many things to do and not enough time to do them. She was present. She was not present with Jesus. She was hurried, getting all the food ready. And she came to him, Jesus, and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you notice? Can't you see that I'm drowning in here in the kitchen trying to get everything ready by myself? And it's easy for us to picture this scene in the kitchen. I mean, you can imagine Martha's in the kitchen and she's, 
you know, kneading the flour, getting it ready to, or kneading the dough, getting it ready to be baked. I mean, she's cutting the vegetables, she's seasoning the lamb, and she sees her, kitchen, or her, her, her sister, you know, sitting down at Jesus' feet, just having a conversation. And she starts mumbling to herself, you know, it sure would be nice to have a little help around here. You know, and she doesn't get any response, so she mumbles a little bit harder, you know, kind of be nice to have someone cut the, veg- cut the vegetables for me. You know, and she, you know, no one responds, so she starts banging a couple pans together and say, you know, I, I'm trying to get everything done, but I don't have enough time, Jesus. Can you tell my sister to help me? You know, you can kind of feel for Martha, trying to get everything ready, banging in the kitchen, hoping that someone would notice that she's in there by herself trying to get the things done. And we would expect Jesus to say, Mary, get off your butt and go help your sister. But that's not what Jesus said. Listen to Jesus' words. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset. You're in a hurry. You're upset about many things. You're worried, distracted. You're anxious. You're present. But you're not here. You got all sorts of things going on in your head and in your heart, and you're missing the most important. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing, not many things, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus said to Martha, Mary made a choice. She chose to sit at my feet and listen to my teaching. She chose to prioritize her life in such a way to avoid hurry sickness and to listen to me. She chose one thing. She chose the best thing. In the midst of her hurried life, she chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, to connect with Jesus, and to listen to him. See, this is how we avoid hurry, sickness. We make a choice. We choose to avoid all the distractions, all the good preparations of life to sit down at the feet of Jesus. We take responsibility for our faith, for our lives, and we choose what's most important because here's the truth. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of seconds and minutes. And here's the truth. We cannot choose what our family will do with their 24 hours of time. We cannot choose what our boss or our coworkers will do with their 24 hours of time. We cannot choose what our neighbors, what our friends, what what they will do with their limited amount of time and energy. But we can choose what we will do with our limited amount of time of time and energy, and Mary chose what is better. She chose what is best, to sit at the feet of Jesus and align her life with his teaching and align her life with his way. This is the way out of a hurry-contaminated culture and into the presence and power of God. It's to first sit at the feet of of Jesus, to listen to him and align your life with his 
teachings. That's how you avoid the sickness that is all over our culture. But before we start throwing stones at Martha, did you notice who owned the house? Did you notice who opened her home to Jesus? It's all the way back in verse 38. Jesus said, and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named, what's her name? It's Martha, not Mary. Martha owned a home. Now, we're not exactly sure how she got this home. Maybe she inherited. Maybe she worked real hard, saved her money, and bought the house. But Martha, not Mary, opened her home to Jesus. She owned and maintained a home. She also cooked the food, which means she probably bought the food, which means she probably had a job. See, Martha provided the food, cooked the food, opened her home to Jesus. If there was no Martha, there would be no Mary. If there was no Martha who worked hard, opened up her home, provided the meals, there would be no Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, although Martha's hurry sickness got the best of her on this particular day, we must remember that it was Martha who provided the food. Martha who opened her home. And Martha, not Mary, who ran to Jesus when her brother Lazarus died. Do you remember that story? Jesus walks into the town of Bethany. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and this is what Martha did. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. She probably ran to meet Jesus. But Mary stayed in the house. That's what Mary does. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha, not Mary, ran to meet Jesus. Martha expressed tremendous faith in Jesus. And this is what Jesus said to Martha, not Mary. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her this profound truth that the reason why we come and celebrate Jesus today. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said these words to Martha. Yes, Lord. Martha replied, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. Martha believed. Martha trusted. Martha rested in Jesus. And you remember where Mary was during this whole conversation. She was in the house, missing out on Jesus. See, before we overlook Martha and elevate Mary, we must remember that God desires both. That a healthy Christian life includes both sitting at the feet of Jesus and serving others in love. It's, it's that God brings us to himself so that he can send us out to others, that God always works in us on his way to someone else. See, Martha was distracted. She was in a hurry. She forgot to remember that before you go up and serve Jesus, sit down and listen to Jesus. But that's the way out of a contaminated world. That's the way out of hurry sickness. 
to sit at the feet of Jesus and then go, after discerning his will for your life, to go and serve others in love. Paul said it this way to the Ephesians. He said this, it's, it's for by grace you have been saved through, th- through faith. It's not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's all grace, it's all God. So celebrate, delight in your salvation that Jesus paid the price you couldn't pay. It's all grace. Revel in God's grace. Salvation is a gift, not by works, but by grace. So be alive in Jesus and then do good works. That's what Paul writes, the very next verse. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do good works. Serve others in love. God prepared good work for you to do. Don't just sit down at Jesus' feet. Get up after meeting with Jesus and serve others in love. Get the job done that God prepared in advance for you to do. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way out of a contaminated world full of hurry and busyness is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to finish the work that God called you to do because you're his workmanship. You're his poem. You're his masterpiece. And he speaks to you, but we have to listen to him to discern his leading in our lives every day. This is the way of Jesus. It's the rhythm of life to abide in Christ and to abound in every good work. To abide in Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John 15. Hang out with me. Remain in me. Stay connected to me and abound in every good work. Finish the work that God created you to do. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way out of a contaminated, hurried culture to sit at the feet of Jesus, to connect with him, and then to do the work that God has prepared for us in advance to do. And there are some students here who recently experienced this rhythm in their lives as they went on a mission trip to New York. And I asked the students to come on up here to describe to us a bit of this rhythm of sitting at the feet of Jesus and also doing the work that God prepared in advance for them to do. See, they connected with God personally and they served him faithfully. And I just wanted to illustrate, but also celebrate God's work in our young people as they went to New York. So, John, our youth pastor, could you just uh, introduce who's, uh, who's with you here? Yeah, you bet. Well, we've got, uh, uh, there were 28 of us total, and some of the leaders don't want to come up. But uh, we've got uh, Davis and David and Clay and Zach and Dylan. and Pierce, Jason, Nick, Alan, Molly. Rachel, Kenna, Allie, Caroline, Grant. So there we are. That's who. That's who's here today. And some are on vacation that went with us. But so this is the team, at least the bulk of you. And so, what did you do while you were sure. in New York? Yeah, I mean, we we traveled from here by buses or small bus and, and vans and suburbans and took off across the country. And uh, so there were a lot of days of driving. We were gone ten days and stayed in, in Lo- um, on Long Island, partnered with uh, East Northport uh, Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, went with Merge Ministries, and while we were there, we worked in both the South Bronx and doing a VBS program, and we did uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy cleanup along the south shore of Long Island. 
And so I think, Dylan, you're going to answer this next question. What was the rhythm of your day as you kind of had your normal routine each day? So um, it was a pretty busy day. We did a lot of different things during the day. So we got up early, um, oftentimes 6.30, 7 in the morning, had breakfast, made a lunch, um, went off to the work site, worked most of the day, came back, um, cleaned up, had dinner together. Then we had a devotional time together, um, just hung out together. Then we went to bed generally really late. And most of us weren't comfortable because they popped each other's mattresses. But I was comfortable, so. So you had a good time. And, and, and I think uh, the piece of the rhythm is what I'd like to sort of springboard out of there. So, so I think, Molly, would you be willing to answer us? How did your time of sort of the devotional or personal prayer time or corporate prayer time prepare you as you were serving others so faithfully? Um, praying as a group was very encouraging because you knew that everybody was in the exact same position that you were and that we all needed God each day to be with us. Like on Tuesday after VBS, we, uh, the majority of the people who went to VBS were praying out loud their thankfulness for the opportunity that we got to work with the kids from the Bronx. And it was nice to know that we were all in the same boat and that we each needed God each day to help us through the day and that it would prepare the people who were going to VBS the next day to know that God, they need God the entire day and to know that it was very important that you pray with him and he'll help you through the day. And it was a sense of unity, as you were describing, yeah. as, as, as you prayed together. Rachel, what was your experience like? Um, well, I felt like it, um, we had a sense of peace. Even if it was just for a minute, just praying for a minute, you were able to reflect on what happened and prepare yourself for what was going to happen the ne next day, whether you were gardening, staining tables, or chasing kids through the streets of the South Bronx. You uh, was always busy, but you had that one moment, and it was more than enough just to keep you going and encourage you. Thank you. And McKenna, you had a, an experience that you'd like to share? Um, well, prayer for me um, gave a lot of direction when I didn't know what to do, whether a lot of times our leader wouldn't be with us because she was having a hard week. So we would be going down the streets, and we necessarily wouldn't know where to go, and our kids would have to tell us. And a lot of times at the park, they would get really crazy with kids that weren't necessarily in the camp and praying just gave me like a sense of peace and calmness that I would that they'd be okay and I would know what to do. And so throughout sort of your your corporate times and some personal primes and then even in the midst of serving kids you had this awareness of God's presence and he gave you peace and, and direction. That's mm -hmm. wonderful. So what about some of the things that you did? I know you guys did a lot of good work that God prepared in advance for you to do so, Dave, I want you to start us off. What did you guys do in, in New York? On Monday, we went um, after the hurricane had come through. It flooded this community center that we went to. And so they had to take everything out in the inside and rebuild it. And part of the stuff that wasn't finished was the outside in the garden. And so we had to take out all the weeds that were there one day. And then we um, planted flowers and poured mulch so it could become a community garden the next day. That's fantastic. And so you provided a place for the community to gather. I mean, I know a lot of community members were sort of trying to get their own houses fixed up and not even having the strength to think about a community garden, but that's where you guys were able to come along and add some, some strength.
to the cause. So wonderful. How about you, Dylan? What were some of the things you guys did? Um, the first day, while they were in the second day, while they were doing the garden, the first day we were at a um, um, beach club right on the shore, and uh, we um, were staining tables and we were fixing tables and chairs because the hurricane had basically wiped everything out of that beach club, and so everything kind of needed to be fixed up and worked on. And you were there, serving together, and, uh, and serving faithfully uh, in, in New York. So one of the last questions I wanted to ask one of the gals here is, is there, is there maybe one thing that you learned from New York that you want to bring back with you as you continue to live in this rhythm, really, of staying connected with Jesus while serving others? Um, one thing that I really learned was to be open when you're meeting people and just kind of view them like not differently even though their lifestyle was so different than ours and try to like be open to everyone that I meet back here and just try to reach out to everyone. Let's give it up for our young people. And if you want to hear more, uh, we're having a dinner tonight and that's at uh, 5.30 so you could come back and hear more about them. So come on down. Great. The beautiful thing about a mission trip is that it helps you remember what's really important in life. It helps you remember that I have to sit down, I have to be in the presence of God, I have to sit at the feet of Jesus, and then discern how he might be leading me to serve others, whether it's staining a table or working on a community garden. I want to be empowered to do what God's call me to do. I don't want to live too much of a hurried life to miss the one thing. There's a story about the Titanic I'd like to close with as our children from Camp Kidjam come on up here. But the Titanic story, I've heard lots of stories about the Titanic. Maybe you have as well. But on that fateful night on April 14th, 1912, you guys can come on up here, Lynn. Feel free to bring them up. Uh, On that fateful night, April 14th, 1912, just before the Titanic went down, You may not know this, but the Titanic received messages about icebergs numerous times. Five messages came out to the operator. Look out for icebergs. Look out for icebergs. Look out for icebergs. Look out for icebergs. And on the sixth message came during the wee hours of the next morning. Look out for icebergs. And the the operator wired back these words. Shut up. I'm busy. These were the last words that the operator wired before it all happened. Exactly 30 minutes later, the great ship hit an iceberg and started to sink, killing hundreds of innocent people. His last words were, shut up, I'm busy. Jesus also had last words. His last words, if you remember in the Gospel of John, were recorded as he hung on the cross. He said, it is finished. He breathed his last breath and he said, it is finished. And just a few chapters earlier, Jesus said these words, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Those were the words of Jesus. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. What contrasting last words. Shut up, I'm busy. I finished the work that you gave me to do. What will your last words be? 
Will you let a hurried culture contaminate your soul, or will you sit at the feet of Jesus, discern his will for your life, and finish the work that God prepared in advance for you to do? We have a choice, and we must choose to do the most important thing first, to sit at the feet of Jesus. This is the way out of a hurried life and a life of significance. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the rhythm that you have for us, clearly demonstrated in your own life, Jesus, and clearly taught throughout the Scriptures, that we are designed not to go this life alone, but to go in you, to go with you, and to accomplish the work that you've prepared in advance for us to do. And we thank you for the work that you're doing in each one of our lives, in the lives of the students, and the lives of these children as they chase the light together and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to listen to the kids. These are the kids from our uh, Camp Kid Jam, and our ushers are also going to come down and receive this morning's offering.